0: And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Somebody say, by Jericho. Pause there, leave the verse up. Let me preach just for half a second. I don't want to get by my miracle, I want to possess my miracle. And I've discovered that you can walk around your miracle, you can look at your miracle, you can touch your miracle, you can fantasize about your miracle, you can five-year plan about your miracle, but it's not the same as actually stepping into all that God has for you. And I just want to encourage you, don't back down, don't slow up, don't give up until you are fully walking in all that God has for you. Joshua was by their miracle. It so says, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell flat on his face. Said and he worship, and he said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your Adidas slides. That's what my translation says. <laughs> Take off your sandals, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Father God, we declare that you are our champion, you are undefeated. Failure is outside of your capability. We're grateful that not only are you victorious, but you've shared your victory with us. God, victory is our DNA. It's identity. God, we pray in this moment that you would build our faith, that we can see that losing is not an option in any of our lives. God, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Somebody shout amen. amen. Come on, type it in the chat. Just say amen, amen. Amen. You can't find a key because I'm not singing in a key. I'm in like seven different keys. He's like, what key is that? It's not a key. That's Stephen. All right, let's preach. We're in week four. I was right on that, right? You couldn't find it. <laughs> We're in week four of a series called Crossover. Somebody say Crossover. With a little play on words, a little bit of a basketball move, and I hate basketball now because Marilyn got kicked out of the tournament, so who cares about basketball anymore? But it was kind of cute the last three weeks. A crossover is a basketball dribble move when you're throwing your opponent's weight one way to only move to the other direction to clear up some space for a shot or a drive. And what we've been talking about is that God has been throwing off the enemy since the beginning of time. Where the enemy thinks that God is going one way. He thinks that he has God cornered. Next thing you know, God is coming up with the greatest move you have ever seen in your life. I personally think that's what the last 12 months was about. That the enemy thought, hey, let me get an entire world isolated, locked up in their house in fear. And if I can get the people of God separated from each other, they'll get divisive and angry and fearful. And then the kingdom of God will be destroyed. Little did the enemy know that he played right into the hand of God. I believe we are getting ready to step into, as the Big C Church, the greatest revival this world has ever seen. I believe people are getting ready to run into the kingdom of God in ways that we have never seen before. Somebody say, I'm crossing over. And I've said this before, and I hope you hear me. It's not just a name change at a church. It's not just that we're merging with another phenomenal church so that revival can hit our city. But I need you to understand and believe as God does it in the church, so he's going to do it in your life. Because you are the church. The church was never a building. The church was never walls. It was always the physical temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want to set you up for the crossover that's coming to your life, Baltimore. I believe with all my heart that you're getting ready to step into a season of favor that you didn't even know to pray about. I believe that God is getting ready to open miracles for your business, for your children, for your family. God is beginning to awaken dreams in your heart that have led dormant for years and years and years. Somebody shout, I'm crossing over. So here's my job to get you ready for all that God has coming to us as a church and you as an individual. In this passage in Joshua chapter 5, as Pastor Jimmy so... Was Pastor Jimmy not unbelievable last week? My goodness. I was like, call the fire department. It is burning a whole building to the ground. But as he read last week, as Moses passed away, God spoke to Joshua, and he said, it's time to lead the people into the promise. Joshua walks up into the Jordan River that was at flood levels, and the people were expecting Joshua to do what Moses did. When Moses got to the water, he grabbed his staff, and he stretched his staff over the water, and the water is parted, so people were confused when Joshua didn't grab a staff. Don't ever try to walk in somebody else's anointing, because their anointing isn't cut for you it won't fit you. You're gonna look like Easter Sunday back in the 90s with a suit four times too big and a pants leg so wide you could fit four people in it. How many people know we're not going back to the 90s? No, 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 you need to walk in your anointing, in your gifting, in the call of God on your life. And so often we despise who God made us and we covet other people's gifts and other people's talents, not an understanding that if you needed that gift to fulfill your purpose, he would have given it to you. He made you loud on purpose. So you just be loud and walk in your loud anointing. I'm just loud now. He doesn't anoint the ratchet you. He doesn't anoint the ungodly you. He doesn't anoint the unsanctified you. Come on, Baltimore. So, no, this is just who I am. And God done anointed me. You had to deal with me. No, we don't. Get you some Holy Ghost in you, get you some Jesus. As he was, so are we here on earth. Joshua said, I'm not Moses, and I'm not going to try to act like Moses. We're not stretching staff. We're wetting toes. Don't expect God to do the same miracle twice. He will always do miracles, but he is a creative God. He said, they think I'm going to stretch out a staff. Watch them. Put your foot in the water. And it says when they stepped in that Jordan River, the water is part. Some miracles don't happen until you take the first step. We're in a position of God. When you move, I'll move. <laughs> Y'all ratchet up in here, Columbia. He said, no, 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 no. When you move, that's when I'll move. Just like that. <laughs> Pastor, you ratchet too. I know, God's still working. Over. So watch this. They get to the other side of the Jordan River. They are in the promised land. <laughs> like Joshua, what we gonna do? We, hey, Mama, we made it. Joshua said, "Go get twelve boulders." What? Do what I said. Moses never met. Just I'm gonna hear about Moses. Go get me the boulders. They got twelve boulders, and they built a monument unto God. As they were stacking these boulders, Joshua, why are we doing this? Joshua said, "Because we can never forget." what God has brought us through. He said, I am doing this. So every time our children walk by this monument and ask, what are those 12 stones? You can tell the story of how we were slaves in Egypt and God sent a deliverer and God flexed on Pharaoh. That's a prophecy right there and showed that he was almighty God. I remember the time when God parted the Red Sea and we walked through on dry ground and then the enemy tried to overtake us and the waters crashed on top of them. We remember the time when we were starving. And next thing we know, manna came from heaven and quail every night. We remember when our enemies tried to attack us and hail fell from the sky and destroyed them. We remember the time when God said, I want to meet with you face to face. We were scurred, but we sent Moses up, and fire and lightning landed on that mountain, and when Moses came down, his head was glowing from the presence of God. We remember. Before you move on, remember. Before you pray for more, remember. Can I help you with your anxiety for a second? Can I help you with your worry and your depression? I'm not saying it's a one-blanket, easy fix. Don't get me on that. I know you got to go through processes and maybe counseling and maybe medicine might help or whatever, but I'll tell you something I know will definitely help if you would get your attention off of your current problem and put your attention on that former problem, that former situation, that former mountain that was keeping you up at night and stressing you out, and if you could just remember how God came through in that moment. You know, sometimes I just feel really dumb because I get worried about new problems as if he hasn't fixed my old problems. The only reason I'm allowed to get worried about new problems is because he's already taken care of the other problems. And if only I could remember how good he has been. I was thinking as we were getting ready for this Sunday, before we become union, church, we got to remember. I remember September 10th, 2011. I thought we launched on the 11th. You did. (laughs) But the 50 people that were a part of New Life International Fellowship Church, my dad's church, we started this Saturday. Because the building was not fully renovated for the launch on Sunday. (laughs) So people were coming on Sunday, but on Saturday, we were still painting walls and laying floors and hanging TVs, and I was at the church till 5 a.m. All my brothers, my sister, my dad, so Miss Miss Ruth, you remember you were there. Can y'all give it up for one of the longest standing? When you talk about an OG OG, let me give you this context. Destiny Church is 10 years old, and she's been a member of Destiny Church for like 17 years, so you do the math. About 5 a.m., my dad said, Stephen, you got to preach. I ain't preaching tomorrow. It's your church. You go home and sleep. We'll make sure it's ready. Went home, got home about 5.30 a.m., took about an hour nap, woke up at 6.30, came right back to church. And When I tell you, 50 people for a year had prayed and fasted, believing for a move of God, and 331 people walked through the doors on September 11th, 2011, 27 people Gave their life to Christ. Oh, my goodness. They'll show you a picture at the end of the service. But we had these cool sound panels. We, we, we flipped the entire church. We got rid of all the flowers, all the ferns ripped down, all the flags off the walls. Sorry, Dad. But uh, we just flipped the whole building. And we had these, like, white sound panel boxes all over the wall. And we shone LED lights on them. And people walked in, oh my gosh, those are the coolest backdrop I've ever seen. The LED lights and the sound, it was amazing until one of the pizza boxes opened up. And people realized we were too broke to afford sound paneling. So we went down to Pizza Bowlis, got us a couple hundred pizza boxes, painted them white, and stapled them to the wall. And nobody knew until the drummer hit one and psh- Here's what the Bible says, though. Do not despise small beginnings, for God rejoices that the work begins. I remember the first Easter when 300 people came. We got got a little bold that Easter. We said, this Easter, we're not doing any of that. If you want to get saved, lift your hands or indicate on a connection card. No, we're going after. If you want to get saved, stand up. Do you know how intimidating as a preacher it is to end the service with, if you want to get saved, stand up. And you're not sure if anybody's gonna stand up. And I was like, God, you can't leave me out here. You can't leave me out. And I did the whole, oh no. Three, he died for your sins. Two, he sent his one, one and only son. One, your eternity is secure. Stand, 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 stand. And nobody stood. And I said, Eloi, Eloi, my God, my God, why have you? Fr-? God didn't even show up Easter Sunday. Next thing I know, an entire family of four, about three rows in, the entire family stood up. And a person over here stands up, and a person over there, and a person over there. And that Sunday, 81 people gave their life to Jesus. I remember four months into marriage where I said, babe, you look like a campus pastor. I'm gonna leave you here in Woodlawn. We gonna go launch this Laurel campus. We're gonna drive in between the two. We had one staff, two locations. Somebody say, that's not smart. (laughs) Next thing you know, Woodlawn did not lose one person. People said, hey, we're here for change, let's do it. We had 150 people going to church in Laurel in the two locations. I remember when we brought them both together here in Columbia in 2015. I remember when we stepped into this building for the first time and the church went from 700 to 2,000 in four weeks. And those are just the big numbers. I remember the stories. I remember the five buses that ran like an MTA on Sunday as we bus kids in from Coppin State and Morgan and UMBC and Stevenson University and John Hopkins and college Park. that I know we're an hour away, but can we get a bus? I remember what it was like when all those college students would go home for the summer and the church attendance would drop by 50% from May to August. And I'm like, oh God. But man, I remember the people that got married in this church. I remember the first funeral I ever did as a pastor was as an 18-year-old kid who was gunned down in Baltimore and a member of this church. I remember babies that were born out of miracles. I remember the cancer, cancer diagnosis that disappeared right on that screen in front of the doctor's eyes. I remember how God has healed hearts, how he's delivered, how he's opened doors. (laughs) Church, before we go forward, it's just a moment to say, God, you've been so faithful. And here's the thing, if you're worried about the future, you're just not looking enough at the past. Because when you look back and you realize he has never failed. How in the world can he start now? He's faithful to his word. So Joshua, they build these uh, monuments under God. They have this moment of worship under God. They consecrate themselves to God. They get circumcised. That's a message for a different day. I'm not going to preach it today, but they set themselves apart unto God. Then after all this went down, they're in the promised land. I, I, I can't explain it to you any other way. Y'all, Joshua was just feeling himself. He was just like, I'm the man. Like I parted the Jordan River. I, got, I did in one day what Moses couldn't do in 40 years. Uh-uh. I got us here. And you got to understand Joshua was a coward. Pastor, you said that real, that came from a deep place. How do you know that? Because God kept on saying, be strong and courageous. Be strong. If I had written the Bible, it would have started out, listen, punk. You don't even have to fight. You got angels behind you. Stand up. Put your head. Be strong. There was something about Joshua that he was insecure until after his first victory. Next thing you know, he gets one wind under his belt. He starts walking around with the theme song in his head. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Yes, I am, yes, I am. To the point where he walks up to Jesus. No, it says the commander of the Lord's army. Yeah, that's Jesus. It didn't say a commander. It said the commander. What is Jesus doing in the Old Testament? Ain't he supposed to wait till Mary comes? Actually, Jesus was the messenger of God. You'll find him all throughout scripture. Here he is standing in front of Joshua with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua's not even bright enough to know what's going on. Joshua walks in, who is you? Are you for us or are you against us? I love Jesus' response. No. You didn't really uh, answer the question. I said, are you for me? Or are you against me? It's not about you. I am the commander of the Lord's army. And I have now come. Come for what? Nanya? I've just come. Here's the whole message. The title of today's message is Managing the Miracle. And one of the things that I want to prepare you for is the miracle that you are on the precipice of. And to get you to understand just because you've experienced an initial success in your life doesn't mean that you've taken hold of the fullness of the miracle that is sitting in front of you. Let me take about 30 seconds to convince you there's a miracle that's sitting in front of you. You have to understand that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And there is no way that the Holy Spirit can live inside of you without signs, wonders, and miracles manifesting all around you. Throughout the scriptures, particularly the book of Acts, the church said, God, stretch out your hand and send signs and wonders to prove that you are for us. You should have Proof all around you. You should be able to point at your health and say that's nothing but God. You should be able to point at your finances and say that's nothing but God. You should be able to point at your children and your vocation and your ministry. You should see the hand of God everywhere around you. But when you see God begin to move, don't rock back on your heels. Just understand it's just the beginning. One of the reasons why Joshua had gotten comfortable and excited is because he forgot that there was a battle. Joshua forgot that when he stepped into the promised land, the enemy was still there. That yes, he had stepped into what God had for him, but just because God has it for you doesn't mean you're not going to have to fight for it. And we get confused sometimes just thinking that, well, God said I'm going to be healed, so I'm just going to sit back and wait until I'm healed. No, you're going to have to fight for that healing because you have an adversary, an enemy that must be pushed back. Just because God said that I'm going to have more than enough, that I'm going to be so wealthy that I could pay off other people's debt and I can be generous on every occasion doesn't mean it's just going to happen as you sit back and wait, even if you tithe. that I'm actually going to have to take hold. That's what God has for me. Joshua's first mistake is Jesus' sword was out and his was not. Hey, if he's fighting, we're fighting. And when he's resting, we're resting. And hear me, Jesus is still fighting. The second thing is this. We get into a place of comfort when we think it's all about us. Joshua said, are you for me? Or are you against me? Missing the fact that it was never about me. The second we make our lives revolve around us is the second we're in position to forfeit the miracle that God has for us. And the last mistake that Joshua made is he overlooked a God encounter. How you would act, I know that's not good English, but It's good preaching. How would you act, Baltimore, if Jesus was six feet in front of you? Hmm? Would you fall down flat on your face? Would tears come streaming down your face? Would you ask for something? Or would you worship and say, thank you for all you've done? Or would you do what Joshua did and be completely oblivious to whose presence you're in? One of the scariest verses in the Bible was the verse that Jacob prayed. He said, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place, and I did not know. Here was Joshua in front of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And because he was so overwhelmed by his past success, he missed the fact that Almighty God was right there in front of him. And I'm not jumping on you or talking about you, but I just asked for me, how many times do I walk into church and miss the fact that I'm meeting with Almighty God? How many times do I wake up in the morning and try to read my Bible and pray before the kids wake up? Because you understand there's no godliness after the kids wake up. You ain't get your prayer in before then. You ain't praying today. Just hope yesterday's prayer gets you through today because it's over. <laughs> How many times do I scroll through my Bible, reading plan and pull out my prayer booklet ready to pray? Not understanding that God's not in heaven. That he's in this room right here with me. Church, if we're gonna take hold of the miracles that God has for us, we can't miss God encounters. Three quick things to think about as we close. The first thing is this. We have to remain battle ready. If you're gonna take hold of all that God has for you, you have to remain battle ready. It's been a little bit a while since i played organized basketball. When any hoopers know, they tell you, you gotta stay on the balls of your feet. The second you rock back on your heels is the second you're going to end up on Instagram for the wrong reason. You're going to be on the other side of a crossover as you are sitting on your behind, somebody pointing at you like, ah, ah, ah. you got to stay in a ready position. And I'm telling you, so many of us by faith... We haven't just rocked back on our heels. We've gone to the bench, grabbed some Gatorade, put a towel over our head because we think the game is over. Not understanding that I am on the verge of a move from God and I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. One of my favorite books, it's not a Christian book, it's called Good to Great. It's a business book on how uh, successful companies are not able to sustain their success, and there's this thought from the book of this. Nothing fails like success, and here's the concept. When you're failing, you're hungry. When you're losing this little crazy twitch in your eye of, I'm not staying here. You remember what it was like when you couldn't pay all of your bills? You remember it was like when you were the new person at that company, you were at the bottom of the totem pole, and you're just like, I ain't staying here. And you'd show up early, and you'd stay late, and you'd do work they didn't pay you to do. Right? Baltimore, you're with me. Y'all might still be on that same (laughs) All of a sudden you get a little bit of a raise, you get a little bit of promotion, you get a little they know your name, you get a key card. <laughs> an hour lunch. First six months you didn't even take lunch. Now you strolling back in an hour and a half later. <laughs> Call it seniority. No, you're not hungry anymore. You've rocked back on your heels. You've lost that twitch in your eye, and you're about to miss out on the next miracle that God has for you. One of the reasons why we're not battle ready is because we're exhausted. (laughs) I um, was talking to somebody in the lobby after the first service and said, how's your wife doing? I said, oh, she's great, she's amazing. Having the time of her life, she's just over being pregnant and ready for this baby to come. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 When the baby coming? Like, July. She said, oh, <laughs> y'all got a little time to go, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's a little journey ahead of us. Us, you ain't doing nothing. Listen, we are making through this. But when we had our first child, Zoe, everybody lied to us. And they said it was a period of 10 months of just not sleeping at night and being uncomfortable and all this other good stuff. But when the baby comes, it's going to be the greatest joy of your life and it's all going to be worth it. Liars. <laughs> he told us about the 10 months. No, told us about the 10 weeks after birth. The 10 weeks of not sleeping. One second. Just one second. Oh, She asked for it, not me. I was completely fine. That's a lie. They tell you about, man, this is a whole human. We could mess this kid up. And the whole world will blame us. They tell you about the nights of, Laying over that bassinet. Are you breathing? Are you breathing? Okay, you're breathing. Oh, he coughed. Oh, he got a hiccup. They tell you about the miracle. They don't tell you about after the miracle. Then there's the moment to steward it. And sometimes we can get so exhausted on the journey to the miracle. By the time we get there, we let our guard down. Not realizing now's the time to advance and fight like never before. I remember when we moved into this Columbia building, the biggest miracle we've ever experienced. Someone gifted us a million dollars worth of renovations for free. Greatest miracle ever. We moved in. It was amazing. There were 700 people when we moved into the church. It was like, look what God has done. Within four weeks, 2,000 people walked through the door. Somebody give God glory. Okay, that's enough. You know what 700 to 2,000 in four weeks means? It means more gray hair. It means we got 1,300 people that we got to put into small groups, 1,300 people we got to get on the dream teams, 1,300 people that we have to make sure make it through growth track. Oh, we're not ready for this. It was work. If we're not ready, you won't even realize that on the other side of success is a battle for the miracle that God has for you. Let me encourage you. It's not your battle. 2 Corinthians chapter 20, verse 15, it says this, thus says the Lord to you, don't be scared or dismayed because of the battle that's in front of you. For it's not your battle, it's the Lord's. I was talking to somebody who had been offered a major promotion at their job. I said, oh man, that's amazing. Increase in salary, increase in influence. Let's go. They said, I'm not going to take it. I said, is anyone now? Who are you talking about with this? I, said, no, I, don't, I don't think I have what it takes. I don't think I can accomplish it. I, it's just too much responsibility. It's just too, much, it's just too, too many people to lead. I, I prefer to stay here. I know this level. I don't know if I can. That's when you get confused on who the battle belongs to. That's when you've made a mistake of who your success is accredited to. But when you understand, if he opens a door in front of me, that means he's going through the door before me, and it's not actually my job to be successful, it's my job to be surrendered to the one that is going to win the battle on my behalf. Don't be dismayed or discouraged by the battle in front of you, Baltimore, because the God you serve, he will fight. So if I'm not doing the fighting, how do I stay in battle ready? It says this, Revelation 16, 15. It says, behold, God is coming like a thief. Let me pause. He's not coming to rob you. He's not coming to punish you. He's coming to bless you. I really just sense this with all my heart. The next thing that God's going to do in your life, you're not going to see it coming. So you're either going to be ready now or you're not going to be ready at all. He said, he's coming as a thief. He said, here's what you need to do. Watch. He said, blessed is he who watches and keeps his clothes on. This is also a good student verse for holiness. Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. God says, it's my job to fight. It's your job to watch and to keep your clothes on. Biblically, your clothes represents righteousness. Righteousness. He says he puts a cloak of righteousness on us. In other words, here's how we stay ready. We pursue God. We keep our eyes locked on him. God, I'm watching to see what you're doing. Somebody say righteousness. Righteousness. Hear me, and I keep my heart right. There is nothing like success that I believe is the breeding ground for offense and bitterness. There's nothing like transition that will give you ample opportunity to turn inwards, become bitter, selfish, offended, or whatever other heart conditions you want to put in there. Hear me, God can't bless a bitter heart. God can't bless a selfish heart. God can't bless an offended heart. So here's the transaction. He'll do the fighting, you guard your heart. And you make sure that your eyes are locked on him and watch him fight on your behalf. The second thought is this. We got to remain kingdom focused. I l- he said, are you for me or against me? Can I say it to the Church of America? Is that okay? You're not going to like me, but that's okay. It's my church. I can say whatever I want to say. Are you Democrat or Republican? Mm. This is where we're going? And you know what Jesus said? Neither. He said, I don't represent a earthly political party. I am the kingdom. Can I talk for a second? I think one of the things that happened in the church is we've gotten more committed to a side of the line. To an elephant or a donkey instead of the Lamb of God. And God needs to remind us that he never rode into our lives on that elephant or that donkey. But he's riding in on a horse with a sword in his hand and fire in his eyes. And he did not come to pick sides. He came to take over. Here's our carnal response to everything in life. How does it affect me? Can I teach you how to forfeit every miracle that God has for you? No, pastor, I'd like you to teach me how to maximize. No, I'm going to teach you how to forfeit. And then if you just do the inverse, you'll maximize. Here's how you forfeit every miracle God has for you. Think about how it affects you before anything else. But can we just talk for a second? Isn't that how we filter everything in life? How does it affect me? How does it inconvenience me? How does it benefit me? How does it progress me? And if it progresses me, then I'm all in. If it makes me move backwards or it feels like a demotion, well... Say in his word that if you want to be the greatest of all, make yourself servant of all and he will exalt you. I think actually the greatest inconveniences bring the greatest promotion. This is where you pause and you think how honest you're going to be. Pastor Stephen, why would you merge with another church? that has another phenomenal preacher that could actually take credit for what God is doing. And no one's gonna think that you did it on your own because you actually partnered with someone else because that's kingdom. It's not worldly and it's not common sense, but it's kingdom. Kingdom is, if I serve, he exalts, but if I exalt, he humbles. It's counterintuitive. And we have to understand, if I make everything in my life about me, there's no room for God to bless me. But if I make everything in my life about him, then he can actually fill in the gaps that I'm not able to focus on. You see, we've bought this lie that God was created for us. He was not created, he is the creator. He was not created for us, we were created for him. And when we get that right order, we start to see miracles manifest in our life like never before. I have a good friend who um, has a, a, a manufacturing company, they make exercise equipment and not like exercise equipment for your house, they actually source some of the major league teams in this nation and outfit their entire workout facility. He was in negotiations with an NFL company to source out all of the equipment in their practice facility. I don't know much about sports, but I'm thinking NFL teams are probably gonna spend the most money on workout gear. You need to be in that world to know that. I'm talking about millions of dollars. He sits here and he's negotiating with the person, we're gonna do this, do this, do this, do this, long story short, the negotiations fall apart. The decision maker at this NFL team says, no deal, don't worry about it, you can leave now. This person told me this story, they said, I stood up, I walked out, and I just said, God's will be done. That decision maker at the NFL team said, what did you just say? And he said, I said, God's will be done. They said, why did you say that? He said, well, I'm a believer. This whole business was God's idea that he gave me. He's blessing it and he's growing it. So ultimately, I'm relying on God to open every single door. And if this door is not a door that's open, it's not God's will, so God's will be done. That person at the NFL team said, come back and sit down. I'm a Christian and we have to make this deal work. And they went on and signed a contract and worked it all out. But here's what happened. That person introduced, through just a muttering of a phrase, what the enemy has trained us should never be in the workplace. And that's our faith. Hey, leave that at home. Leave that on Sunday. That has nothing to do. You you, you don't separate church and state, and you don't want to be an offense to somebody else that may believe differently than you or whatever. Maybe you just leave your Jesus home. Well, Colossians 3.17 says this, Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do in a word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I say unfortunately, fortunately, but unfortunately, my family has encountered what many people to believe the, the greatest neurosurgeon in history, which is Dr. Ben Carson, because he was performing a surgery on one of my family members. My parents were in there and kind of going through the pre-ops and all that other good stuff, and they talked through the timeframe of the surgery, how long it would take recovery and all that other good stuff. And in the end of the conversation, Dr. Ben Carson looked at my parents. He did not know they were pastors. He did not know they were Christians. He looked at them and said, do you mind if we pray? He said, I don't want to be offensive to you, but I'm a believer. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do the best that I can in this surgery. But I believe that there is a surgeon that's better than me. And if we invite him into this room, that he's going to do what only he can do. And before they went in and used man's wisdom and God's wisdom, they invited God's. No wonder. He is believed to be the greatest neurosurgeon of our time. When we understand it never was about me and it never will be about me, it is always about your kingdom and your glory. Watch God do what we can never do in our own strength. Last thing is this if we're going to maximize the miracles, we have to remain battle ready, have to remain kingdom focused. And we got to remain on our face. Joshua didn't start right, but he finally got it together, y'all. He said, are you for me or are you against me? Jesus said, neither. But I'm here because God wants to do something great in this moment. And I mean, poof! Joshua gets flat on his face, and I could just imagine he was probably so afraid he couldn't even speak. And as he was on his face, Jesus said, take off your shoes. The place where you are is holy ground. And guys, do you understand that as Joshua was there on his face at the end of chapter 5 into chapter 6, Jesus began to speak to him. He said, Joshua, here's how you're going to win this battle. March around that wall one time for the next six days, and on the seventh day, march around seven times. You see, guys, it's on our face that we receive divine revelation. It's on our face that we receive strategy to maximize the miracle that God has for us. It's on our face that God gives us grace to raise godly children. It's on our face that God gives us vision for building phenomenal marriages. Y'all, it's on our face that God showed me this church. And if I could be honest with you, the most difficult thing about pastoring Destiny Church has been to fight for time to stay on my face. See, because before I was a pastor of this church, I was... I was just my dad's worship leader. So I would sneak into church, and I would play, and I would sing, and I'd worship, and tears would stream down my face. The presence of God was so thick in that room, B by myself. And I don't want this to sound arrogant, but I saw the Baltimore campus before Destiny Church ever existed. Because he showed it to me on my face. I saw rooms like this and rooms much larger, packed out with people pursuing God with all their heart, five, 10 years before this church ever launched. But then we started, and people started coming. I said, Pastor, I need a meeting here, and I need you to look at this, and I need you to look at that. We got this to take care of. We got that to take care of. And next thing I knew, there was a tug of war between being on my face and managing the miracle that was in motion. And here's what I've learned. I can get so much more done on my knees than on my computer. I can get so much more done on my face than I can making phone calls and emails. I'm not saying to pray all day long. That's not even practical. I'm not saying become a monk and lock yourself in the house. Y'all, we can never get off our face. We can never get out of the position of, God, if you don't show me what to do next, I'm not going because the only thing that I have going for me is your presence. Pastor, I like Destiny Church. I don't know what Union Church is gonna be like. Is it gonna be different? Am I gonna like it? You will if we stay on our face. You will if we continue to pursue God like we have for the last 10 years. And y'all, if we stop, it doesn't matter what the church is called. You're not going to like it. Because it's his presence that has defined us. And it's his presence that will sustain us. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, that you have now come. And you are fighting on our behalf. God, I pray for every single person in the sound of my voice in Columbia and Baltimore, watching online across the nation. God, that we would not become so satisfied in past success. We get up off our faces and forget that you still have more miracles ahead of us. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time and make this message personal to you. Maybe you realize for the first time that my life is my focus. And that my focus is not on Jesus and his kingdom. Maybe you've never surrendered your life fully to God and he's been a distant relationship. Maybe you've been a follower of God for a long time, and like it could so easily happen, you've just got distracted. You guys, before we cross into our promise, let's take a moment to realign our focus. Say, Jesus, you're the one that our eyes are locked on you're in that position, you say, I need to realign my focus today, whether it's to surrender your life to Christ for the first time or to come back to a place where his kingdom and his righteousness is first in your life. Wherever you are, can you pray this? Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for all that you're going to do. Thank you for hanging on a cross, taking my failures so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be made new, so that I could see victory in every area of my life. Today, in this moment, God, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest? Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.